Welcome to the On Deck Circle, a weekly podcast setting the table with lively baseball banter from two guys who love America's pastime. Let's talk baseball. Welcome back into the On Deck Circle podcast, off-season edition. This we, is we are in the off season. This is the end of November. Thanksgiving has come and gone, and the winter meetings are on the horizon. They're going to begin next week. We just want to kind of discuss what's taken place so far in the off season, and maybe some things that we see taking place in the future with the winter meetings looming large in our vision. Alex, any thoughts before we jump in? The word that comes to mind is jockeying jockeying i feel like the teams are just jockeying for position there's a lot of minor moves being made nobody wants to miss out on anything huge i feel like there's some fomo and so it's just kind of like we're waiting there's some massive you know massive uh pins that are ready to drop and none of them have dropped yet and it's like you don't want to do anything too risky that might put you at risk of missing out on one of those big plays and so people you know teams are just you know they're they're making some secondary moves there's not a lot of a-listers that have been you know dealt with yet and it's like we're still left with a lot of the same questions we had at the beginning of the offseason particularly where is Shinsuke Yamamoto going to sign? And where is Shohei Otani going to sign? Well, it's, almost, it's crazy. Like, where's Cody Bellinger going to sign? Otani is almost, I mean, it's it's out there. He's meeting with teams, uh, or allegedly. But Yamamoto has become more of a discussion topic than even Shohei Otani at this Three point. Three MVP awards in a row in the Japanese Baseball League. Yeah. <sighs> It's pretty Nippon, remarkable. The Nippon Baseball League. Juan Soto still a member of the Padres. For I mean, now. All sorts of wonderful things. It's the Tigers keep keep stocking up on play-by-play talent, potentially, after their career is over. Uh, there's all sorts of things. I mean, really, if you think of from a 30,000-foot so level. So far, I think it's without a doubt, so far, Jason Benetti is the best offseason signing of any major league team. So far. <laughs> well, and we did talk about that last time. It's either that or Sonny Gray, and I think I'm going to go with Jason Benetti. So we have a modified format this week. We don't really have an agenda, but we're just going to talk through some storylines that have come up over the last several weeks. I have several, and I believe Alex has several items of note to bring up as well. We want to begin with probably the biggest free agent signing to this point. Yeah. Let's talk um, about him. Aaron Nola. Oh, Resigned with the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, This podcast brought to you by the Philadelphia Phillies. (laughs) Seven years, $172 million. Hometown discount. What what were your thoughts? Did you think he was going to come back to Philly? Were you surprised at all? Did you see that coming a mile away? Okay, I was just... There, I don't. It, nothing. That's not the most surprising move. I mean, obviously he's comfortable in Philadelphia. The Philadelphia, you know, loves Aaron Nola. At least that's what he said. He I, always wanted. I to be was a surprised at how quickly he came back to Philadelphia. I'm not surprised he ended up there. I'm just surprised at how quickly he came back there. He kind of just. He very. I think maybe he met with the Braves, but very quickly he stopped fielding offers. Told his agent, "Don't even bother." Like hearing a second offer, I'm going back to Philadelphia. Yeah. And arguably took a discount to go to Philadelphia. It depends. I I read an article 
where he uh, was given six years and 172 from the Braves, and he was given the ballpark of 165 yeah. from the Dodgers. Were the Mets involved too? I didn't see anything about that, but still, I mean, I, I think he really wanted a seventh year yep. in his contract. So I think the Phillies at the end of the day were willing to shell out for that. And I, I'm a fan of the Phillies. I'm not a fan of the re-signing. Yeah. Why not? Um, I think he's reached his peak and you are going to sign up for the back half of that contract to be mm-hmm. the junk years of his career. Yeah. I mean, He'll think he still has it. I don't think his ERA or his stats will say that he has it. Um, I think it's a good signing for this year, this upcoming year, and the next three years, four years maybe. But I think as he gets older, this contract will turn into an albatross. He's going to be 31 in June. So he'll be 38 by the time yeah, the contract so runs it just, out. It just, you know... Is he Max Scherzer quality? Is he Justin Verlander quality of a pitcher? He's never really been a stuff guy. Well, I know, but he's it's got just a great like, curveball. That's ball. the question you have to ask yourself because, again, well, I mean, but let's be honest. You know, the Phillies are right in the middle of their window being wide open. And so they're not necessarily signing him for year six, seven, and eight, or five, six, and seven of this contract, they're signing him for years one, two, and three of this contract. Maybe they can trade him to Detroit for the last couple of years of his contract. And so, like, this is, like, the this is the really nerve-wracking, this is the nerve-wracking time to be a Phillies fan. It's really good because you're like, man, our window's wide open, but every year you don't win it, you're like, uh-oh. Okay, that clock is ticking now. All of these white guys with curly long hair exactly. are going to be together for a long time. Eventually, they're going to have to get a haircut. Eventually. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. But I just, I, yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I think he's a known commodity. You know what he's, you know what he is. You know he's pitched, he's pitched in the biggest scenes and he's done pretty well. I mean, he's not, they're not asking him to be the ace of the team. They're asking him to be the second and then eventually probably the third starter on the team. Assistant to the number one pitcher. Exactly. And so, I mean, way to go. Uh, you know, <laughs> but again, I think that's notable. Like he's been the biggest free agent signing so far, which tells you there hasn't been a whole lot yet. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Storyline that you found uh, interesting or something that, that you want to <laughs> discuss. What are the St. Louis Cardinals doing? Yeah. Like it just doesn't seem to do like, And not only what are the St. Louis Cardinals doing, but what are the Minnesota Twins doing? The Minnesota Twins just won the AL Central and they let two of their pitchers go without really any protest and by that you're talking about kenta maeda and sunny gray sunny gray and sunny gray more importantly because sunny gray was like the anchor of their rotation and they let him go pretty quickly and so like that was kind of like what's what are their plans um i don't you know nobody knows exactly what what they're thinking obviously they've you know they've got a a division winning roster uh, right now and then but what are the st louis cardinals doing who's their manager uh, Oliver Marmol. Oliver Marmol. I want to say Carlos Marmol, but that's Oliver Marmol. Um, he was on the hot seat, I think, at the end of last year. They took steps backwards. Now, he's not obviously making these decisions, but, you know, Wainwright retires, and you're going to roll out on opening day. Sonny Gray will be your opening starter. You brought in Lance Lynn, who's 
talk about guys at the at the twilight of their career. Lance Lynn would be that guy. You've got Steven Matz in that rotation. Who Miles Michaelis. He hasn't been relevant. Matz hasn't been relevant since his early days with the Mets. And so it's just like, what are you doing? And it's kind of sad because similar to the Padres, although there's nothing a lot, nothing very similar between the Padres and the Cardinals, but Nolan Arenado, you know, the prime of his career is being wasted in St. Louis right now. And it doesn't appear like they're going to be relevant this next year. Maybe I'll be surprised, but I just don't think they're going to be relevant. We'll so see. I just I think that's very that's uh, there's some questions about what are teams doing here? What do, what's your game plan? Time will tell. Are you just signing people to sign people? Um, yeah. And so I think Cardinals are on my like hmm. head scratcher. Yeah. Um, another storyline that has been interesting to me, and we said we would talk about this in this podcast, is the Rule Five Draft is next Wednesday. Yes. Uh, we talked about some of the. Uh, moves that were made ahead of the Rule 5 draft. And maybe some of you are thinking to yourself, what the heck is Rule 5? Mm -hmm. And why is there a draft? I mean, mm -hmm. this is not the draft. Nope. This is kind of like a compensation draft, maybe. Yeah. Um, so here's what the Rule 5 draft is. It is uh, held each December, and it allows clubs without a full 40-man roster to select certain non 40 man roster players from other clubs. Yes. So the 40 man roster for a baseball team, there are two rosters that are critically important. One is their 25 man roster. 25 man roster covers all the players that are able to play in a game. Then you have the 40 man roster. Those are guys who are eligible to play and they can be added to the 25 man roster they can be on the injured list, but basically the 40-man roster is kind of like an umbrella for your 25-man roster plus 15 prospects, notable players, injured players that you still want on your active roster. Yeah, so protected players. Protected players, yeah. So, so basically the Rule 5 draft allows clubs that don't have a full 40-man roster to look at other clubs who have appetizing players to them and aren't on their 40-man roster yeah. and select them through the draft. So in order for a player to be eligible for the Rule 5 draft, they have to have been signed at age 18 or younger and uh, added to the 40-man roster of their club within five seasons or else they become eligible for the Rule 5 draft. Yeah. If you were signed to age 19 or older, you need to be added to your, to the club's 40-man roster within four seasons. Yeah. So that's kind of how that shakes out. And by and large, the Rule 5 draft, I think, is something that totally flies under the radar. Yeah. There were several notable players this last year that made impacts on ball clubs through the Rule 5 draft, one of them being Ryan Noda, the first baseman for the A's. Yep. Had a pretty outstanding year. Blake Sable would be the other one. I believe he played for the Giants. However, the most notable Rule 5 draft pick, I think, that we could go back in baseball history and look at, Roberto Clemente was a Rule 5 draft pick. Oh, that's interesting. I did not know that. He was selected by the Dodgers originally, and he was left unprotected yeah. 
in uh, when it came time for the Rule 5 draft and the Pirates swooped in and selected him. That's very interesting. I did not know that. So there, there are diamonds in the rough. You could kind of think of the Rule 5 draft as going through an Ollie's or a thrift store of baseball players. Yeah, and you're trying to find guys that are <clears throat> undervalued in one particular organization that you you know, might be able to swoop up and pick up. Now, there is the caveat. Once you select a player in the Rule 5 draft, that player has to be on your roster on opening day. Has to be on the 40-man roster for the duration of, of the, the season. season. So you can't designate him for assignment. I'm sorry. He has to be on the play. Well, he has to be on the club's 26-man yeah. roster. Yeah, no, he has to be on the opening day roster, and if he's designated for assignment, he immediately goes to waivers and could be claimed by any other team. So during the draft, during this Rule 5 draft, if you select a player from another team via the Rule 5 draft, you pay $100,000 to that club. Yep. If you want to cut that player at some point during the season, you have to offer $50,000 back to the club that you took him from. Yeah. So it's kind of risky. Yes. And that if you select a player, you have to have plans to play him basically immediately. Like well, you yeah, can't, so you can't outright him to the minors and him just collect time in double A. He's got to be on your active roster. No, it's somebody that you think has the potential to be a contributor right away, which is why oftentimes you'll find bullpen arms selected in the rule five draft. Yep. You're not necessarily going to find anchors in your you know position lineup in the rule five draft, which means Unlike the real draft, not every team is making selections in the Rule 5 draft because you don't want to adjust your 40-man or 25-man roster immediately um, with a, with the addition of a player. And so I think that's an important thing to note, too. It's not like you are not obligated to draft somebody Correct. in the Rule 5 draft. Yeah, there were 15 selections made last year. Exactly. And eight of them... Um, made appearances in the major leagues. The other seven of them were returned yeah. to their ball clubs with yeah. $50,000. No, I, I mean, it's a, it's a, you're, you're, you're shooting your shot here. I mean, you're like, it's kind of like you're not stabbing in the dark because you are, you know, there are, pro they are prospects. You are doing your, you know, assessment of all of these, of these, you know, these players, but you, there's a lot of unknowns when you're picking up a rule five draft pick. Cause you're going with somebody who doesn't have a lot of big league experience and you're basically rolling the dice saying, you know he's ready to go to the next level. And again, I think the most notable recent Rule 5 draft pick, uh, J.D. Martinez, who's been a prolific power hitter in the, major, in the major leagues. The Tigers drafted him in the Rule 5 draft from the, uh, from the Houston Astros. And you know, he shows up immediately and hits 35 to 40 home runs his first season. And, you know, he's been raking ever since. And he's not been doing it for the Astros. I mean, some other notable Rule 5 draft picks, Ryan Presley, the closer oh, yeah. for the Astros. Yeah, he was yeah. a Rule 5. Um, Anthony Santander, the slugger for the Orioles. He was a Rule 5 draft pick. Uh, Garrett Whitlock, the Red Sox starter slash reliever. He was also a Rule 5 draft pick. So there are diamonds to be found. You just got to really scour for This them. is where the scouting department of a major league ball club really shines, where the general manager makes his money. Do you find the diamonds or not? That's what kind of, you know, it, if you're a, um, if you're a fringe, like if you, you know, if you're a fringe roster guy going into spring training, if your team picks up a guy in the in the in the Rule Five draft, like you got to be feeling kind of down going into spring training because you know like the twenty fifth man is you know who that's going to be 
unless they like just totally skunk in spring training. It just got, it has to be like for the guys who are who are really battling for a roster spot. It just has to be kind of a you know kind of a, a punch in the gut if someone gets drafted in the Rule Five draft because you know that there's one less spot to compete for. Yeah. All right. Uh, another storyline or thing that you want to bring up on the podcast, other than this, the free agents that are still we're still waiting to see, which we could speculate. But I hope in the week ahead that you know we don't have to speculate anymore, and we can probably our next podcast will be able to talk specifically about names. So with the winter meetings, yeah, the winter meetings start Sunday. What what exactly for those who maybe don't know, what exactly do we mean when we talk about MLB's yeah. winter so meetings? So the winter meetings start Sunday afternoon, um, and they it's a it's an opportunity. It's almost like a work conference <laughs> for the for the general managers and you know team presidents of the various organizations to get together. So they pick a city and they go and they have face to face meetings. A lot of the you know engagement between teams is you know it's over the phone, it's via email, it's it's through third parties. But this is an opportunity where uh, general managers and team presidents they go to a location, they stay in a hotel, and they conference together for a few days and try to work out deals. They and wine so, and dine one another. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, you know, if you roll the clock back over a decade, it was the winter meetings that led to um, Miguel Cabrera and Dontrell Willis being traded from the Marlins uh, to the Tigers, and big deals can get done. And so, I think um, you know, free agents aren't necessarily going to be signed, but everyone's expecting Juan Soto to be traded. Juan Soto could get traded over the weekend. There's, um, there's definitely a boom or bust aspect to the winter meetings. I feel yeah. like some winter meetings are super active, lots of activity, <laughs> lots of trades. And then I feel like there's other winter meetings where like, wait, are they still having the winter meetings? Yeah. And you're like, oh yeah, they're going on right now. And you're like, okay, because well, nothing is happening. This is where we cross the threshold to. I think we actually crossed the threshold just the other day. But the winter meetings typically on the on the after side of the winter meetings, you are now closer to spring training than you are to the end of the regular season. And so it's like baseball is coming. And so it's kind of the, the halfway point. And so I don't know, I always enjoy uh, just the, you know, the speculation and just the, you know, the rumor mill is running rampant uh, during the winter meetings. I think, you know, there's a couple notable names that people are looking at and Juan Soto being the juiciest of them. And so we'll see. I, but I, I have expectations that next week, um, you know, some of the trades are going to be made. Um, I know Javi Baez's name was dropped. As, like, is anybody wanting to take on a terrible contract for a terrible player? Maybe the Tigers will pick him up. Exactly. And so <laughs> who's going who's gonna, you know, to come, you know, making offers for that guy? I don't know. But Speaking of interesting names, yeah. as we segue to a third storyline that I'm looking at, the Hall of Fame roster, I'm sorry, the Hall of Fame ballot was released just last week. These are the players that are going to be on the 2024 ballot provided to the Baseball Writers of America for induction into the Baseball Hall of Fame next year in 2024. In order to be inducted, you have to get 75% of the ballot vote in order to be able to gain induction. So there's a bunch of notable first-year guys on the ballot. Um of note of re returning people, uh, Todd Helton is on there. Um, yep. he's a, he got 72% last year, so he was super close. A lot of people think this year he's going to get in. A bunch of people from the steroid era are on here. Uh, guys like Andrew Jones, Gary Sheffield, Carlos Beltran, Alex Rodriguez, Manny Ramirez, Bobby Abreu, Jimmy Rollins, 
Tory Hunter, just a lot of names that we grew up watching. Here's some first year Hall of Famers, and we're going to play a game called Are They In or Not? Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to read you their name and you tell this me what you think. This is their first year on the ballot. First year of eligibility, yep. Adrian Beltre. Not a first year, not a first ballot. Really? No. He's got 3,000 hits. Yep. Gold glove third baseman, not first ballot Hall of Famer. Didn't win a World Series. Okay. Joe Maurer, catcher for the Twins. Hmm. I, I'm going to say not a first ballot. Okay. Chase Utley. Not a first ballot. He did win a World Series. He did, but not a first ballot. Okay. David Wright. Yeah, not a first ballot. I don't think he makes the Hall of Fame. I don't think he does I either. think he is one of those classic scenarios where injuries just totally demolished. Well, okay, let's go back here. What's Joe Mauer's? What's his stat line? I mean, he he did not get 3,000 hits. He did not win a World Series. No, didn't win a playoff game. But he played, played all playoffs. of his career with the Twins. He's got to be like top a, five greatest twins of all time. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, I mean, he's hands down a Twins Hall of Fame. But so, like, <laughs> sometimes, not, sometimes the impact on a club gets you into the Hall of Fame. But I agree with you. I don't think he's first ballot. David Wright, same thing. I mean, injury, shortened career. Here's a really interesting one for you. Bartolo Colon. He's still playing. Not in the major leagues. He is now eligible for the Hall of Fame. I know, but he's still playing in the United Baseball League in the UAE. Okay, answer the question. <laughs> is he in or not? No. He's got 247 career wins. Well, yeah, because if you pitch long enough, you get 247 wins. He's got a Cy Young. He's got a World Series ring. Oh, my gosh. Andy he has actually one, has a resume. <laughs> Andy has one career home run. Oh, stop it. Oh, maybe, maybe he is. I don't know. Well, he is good. beloved by baseball fans everywhere. Uh, not a first ballot. Not a first, not ballot. A first ballot. Matt Holliday. Not a first ballot. Adrian Gonzalez. I mean, I just don't think any of, guys, any of these guys are first ballot Hall of Famers. I just don't think that they're... Jose... The, 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 the writers are criticized all the time for botching this and it's like i feel like in recent memory hall of fame spots they've gotten really stingy with them yeah i feel i agree with you on that uh jose batista no jose no. reyes no victor martinez no james shields no brandon phillips no of the names i just listed off which one do you think has the best chance of getting into the Hall of Fame? Beltray. Maybe not this year, but in future Beltray. years. Beltre might be a first ballot. Okay. I when agree I, with that. When I compare those names to everybody else, Beltre does, Maurer does. Um, uh, who else was right there at the top? Uh, Utley, Wright, Cologne, yeah. Holiday, Gonzalez. Uh, you know, you read off Cologne's stats, and maybe Bartolo Cologne does make a case for it. I don't know. Like, that's crazy. I think, think Beltre and Cologne are the two that kind of rise to the top. Can he do an Adam Wainwright and come back and scrape out three more wins and get to 250 wins? Oh, gosh. <laughs> that could be a mess. I just, I yeah, I don't know. I just, yeah, Beltre is going to be a Hall of Famer. You know, has he is he a first ballot Hall of Famer? That's the question. I mean, he had longevity. He did. He had defense. How many home runs did he hit? I don't have that yeah. information in front of me. He didn't get to five hundred home runs. I don't think so. I think he got to four hundred. Yeah, and that's where I'm just like, okay, so Miguel Cabrera, first ballot Hall of Famer. If he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, then Beltre shouldn't be a first ballot Hall of Famer because they were comparable right-handed hitters. 
both third basemen. And it's just like, you okay, so you had 100 less home runs. You had about the same amount of hits. But at what point does defense factor into this? Like, he was a gold glove winning third baseman. Yeah, Miguel but, Cabrera was not. Yeah, but, he, but, but Miguel Cabrera has multiple MVPs. True. And so, and he does have the World Series ring with the, with the, with the Marlins. It just, yeah, it just, I don't know. If he's a first ballot, okay, then, then Beltre's just not a first ballot. Not that he's not a Hall of Famer. It's just they're going to make him stew for a little bit. Is there anybody, do we, can we tell on that list, is there anybody that's going to fall off this year, fall off the ballot? I believe this is Gary Sheffield's last year. Okay. Yeah. I don't think he He's not in. a Hall of Famer, no. Nope. He's the Hall of really, really good. <laughs> we should start that. Yeah, he's just, just, you know, that's just not a thing, unfortunately. That would be so. epic. Yeah, I just, uh, that's very interesting. I am a big, I am a big proponent. I know, um, I'm going to jockey for my boy. I think Jim Leland's on the ballot. Jim Leland should be in the Hall okay, of so Fame. Okay, so we're talking players. I know, but he should be okay. in the Hall of Fame as All right, a so, manager. So Beltre's stats, I, I pulled that up. Yeah. His war for his career was 93.5. Shot, that's really good. It's really good. Four-time All-Star, five-time Gold Glove winner, yeah. four-time Silver Slugger Award. Yeah. 3,166 hits. Yep. Yeah. 636 doubles, 477 home runs. 1,700 oh, RBIs, yeah. batting average, career batting average, 286. Yeah, yeah he maybe, he maybe he is. Maybe. 480 slug. If he's not, the, the, the threshold is really high for a, for, for a first ballot Hall of Famer, if he's not. He did, he, he, did, he did finish second in the MVP in 2004. Okay. It was when he was with the Dodgers. And then he had several times where he was in the running for MVP. Yeah. Um. When he was with Texas, he had a string of like five years in a row. Where and he, he was never won a seventh. World Series, correct? Did not. He's an interesting test case. If he's not a first ballot Hall of Famer, the question becomes what is? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, but I just, based off how the writers do it, and there's a lot of weird, uh, you know, some, some, sometimes ballots get leaked from guys who are, you know, voting and stuff, and there's some weird decisions made on the Hall of Fame ballot. So here's an interesting thing that I find fascinating about Adrian Beltre's career. Every year he was in the major leagues, he stole at least one base. At least one. For the last, for the last eight years of his career, he stole exactly one base. But he did steal a base. Yeah. <laughs> just, I am excited Todd Helton is going to get in this year. Todd Helton. Just phenomenal hitter. Yeah. Phenomenal yeah. hitter. Great hitter indeed. Hand All right. Uh, last thing that you want to discuss in our podcast this week. I want to play a game. That's All what right. I want to do. Is this game brought to you by the MLB app? MLB.com. MLB.com has a game called Pickle. Is this anything like Pickleball? In a roundabout way, it's Pickleball presented by Scott's Play the Hits. And it's a way for you to just guess every day a mystery player. And so you guess a name, and if you get it wrong, they give you a clue. It's kind of fun. You guess again, uh, they give you another clue. And the clues are team, league, division, um, B. Whether they bat right or left. Oh, yeah. Whether they, they throw, throw right, right or left. left. Born, age, and the position. Yep. So just let's throw out a name. What name do we want to throw in the, the, the hopper? Trey Turner is always my first guess. We will guess Trey Turner because this podcast is brought to you by the Phillies. Well, you know, it, he's my boy, so. It is. Wow. Did I just guess Trey Turner on the first guess? Okay, I'm just trying to. Oh, green means. It's, it's a match. Okay, so we guess Trey Turner. He plays for the Phillies. He's in the NL East. Bats right, throws right, born in the USA, age 30, position shortstop. Yep. We got correct that he is P. 
he does bat right and he does throw right. Okay. And then orange indicates the player plays in either the league or the division zone. So he's either in the NL or the East. Yep. So, um, but he's not on the Philadelphia. And he's not a shortstop. Yeah. The player. So who do you want to go next? Uh, let's go Jorge Mateo. J-O-R-G-E-M-A-T-E-O. He doesn't play shortstop, though. Yeah, he does. I know, but shortstop's not it. I know. I'm going to see if he's in the East. Oh, okay. I see what you're doing there. Uh, no, he's in the NL. Okay. Uh, let's go... Yeah, same. Bats right, throws right. Paul Goldschmidt. Paul Goldschmidt. Okay, 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 okay. Our guy plays in the NL Central. He bats right, throws right. He's not born in the USA. He is age 36 and doesn't play first base or shortstop. Okay. Uh, let's go Nico Horner. Doesn't born, not born in the U.S., though. Oh. Uh, let's go Jamer Candelario. He's not 36. No. Do we know a 36-year-old player? Is there a pitcher that's 36? Lance Lynn? Lance Lynn. He was on the Dodgers. He's on the Cardinals now. I don't think it's officially been confirmed. But he's uh, not on the Cardinals, though. Um, Pablo Sandoval? No, no, no. Uh, Kyle Hendricks. Ooh, okay. He's also born in the U.S., though, probably. But... He is a cub. Okay. 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 So he's a cub. Plays in the NL Central. Bats right, throws right, is 36 years old. So who plays for the Cubs? Alzale. Alzale. L. Advert Alzale. Yep. Oh, nope. He's 28. Is he a reliever? He's not a reliever either. And so he's out in the field somewhere. Or, or a starting pitcher. Jan Gomes. Is he not American? Bingo. Jan Gomes. Correct? Jan Gomes. Boom! Yeah, way to go. Well done. How many guesses? Uh, that took one, two, three, four, six guesses out of nine. Six tries. Jan Gomes. Where's Jan Gomes born? Uh, it should tell you. Yeah. Brazil. Go figure. Way to go. Well done. Well done. Well, that went better than I thought. So. As uh, as one Nationals play-by-play <clears throat> -play player goes, announcer goes, bang, zoom, zap. Right, so I say this. Next time you do this to me, and I'll guess, and we'll see if I can do it in six or better. All right. And between now and then, why don't you, our loyal listeners, Go check out Pickle. Yeah, go check out Pickle. It's a fun little game. Via the MLB app. Test your knowledge. Yeah, and, there's, uh, there's have some fun, fun with that. There's fun games that are out there, whether it's uh, whether it's the, the grid. Immaculate Immaculate grid. grid um, the Pickle or Pickle. Now uh, featuring women's basketball. Yeah, yeah, featuring all sorts of things. But baseball's the OG, and so go play the baseball one. It's fun. And uh, see see how you do. And so, but that was, yeah, Jan Gomes. Fun times. And until next time, which well, will be after the winter meetings, yeah. we will do another podcast between now and Christmas. Yeah, so hopefully, we'll, we'll for sure recap the winter meetings. Hopefully, Yamamoto might be in the States at Who that time. Who will be home for Christmas? Um, Shohei Otani might have a landing spot by then. Who's going to have a blue Christmas? If, ya if 
if maybe if Shohei's coming to a town near you, share it on social media. Better watch out. And so, better not cry. Better not pout. I'm telling you why. Shohei Otani's coming to your town. Please don't go to the Yankees. Please. Please don't go Nobody to the Yankees. Nobody go to the Yankees. Can we agree as collective baseball fans, can we all join together in solidarity and put all of our collective energy into wishing, hoping for Shohei Otani and Yamamoto to end up anywhere but the Bronx. Hey, let's all put our let's all put our figurative hands in the ring exactly. and let's let, let's uh, you know, and let's just No Yanks on 3. No Yankees on 3 because it's just like I know it is fun to hate the Yankees, but they do not we do just we don't need to see that. Please no. And so I mean, I would rather see Shohei Otani playing for the Las Vegas Athletics. I mean, I would rather see the Detroit Tigers win a World Series next year than them go to the like Yankees. To I uh, Oh, well, we can save this for next time. There's a new team in Oakland. Did Ooh, you see that? A new team in Oakland. There's a uh, couple college guys got together and they cre- they created an at- uh, it's an at- um, it's an independent league baseball team called I don't know what their full name is, but they're called the Oakland Bees. B apostrophe S. So the A's are out of town, but the B's are now in the Western Independent League. Oh, my word. And so (laughs) that's something to follow. There's lots of things that we're following, and hopefully you'll give us a follow. Uh, Like and share this podcast with your friends. And stay tuned in a couple weeks when we come back with our thoughts on the winter meetings. And look ahead to the new year, new times, new seasons. Spring training is right around the corner, folks. You can almost feel the... It's not... I mean, we're going to blink and it's going to be here. As soon as Christmas wraps up, I mean, you're just about a month away from pitchers and catchers reporting because pitchers and catchers report the first week of February. (gasps) So it's coming, folks. So excited. Yeah, it's awesome. Until next time, we're out of here.